I'm Dennis Foley. Now, here's Jack Riccardi. Yes, he is. Here I am. How you doing? Good afternoon. Um, you know, I was thinking, Dennis, um, people do brackets before the NCAA tournament, right? What if we did brackets for the news? Yeah. Like, who would have put Ukraine in the brackets two months ago? Right? Like, hardly. Probably the same person that put St. Peter's. Yeah. In the Elite Eight. They probably uh, have or, Russia or, or, or like going into this weekend, who was going to put who was going to put Chris Rock getting slapped by Will Smith on television? Who who had that in their brackets? Right? I yeah. mean, uh, I guess that's why we don't do brackets for everything else. Well, all right, let's get this out of the way first because I don't want to spend all day on it. But Chris Rock is a comedian. He appeared at the uh, Oscars last night to present an award. He was doing his jokes. And one of the jokes was about the wife of Will Smith. Well, the jokes were about the people that, that Chris Rock could see sitting up in the front. When you go to any comedy show or you're around a comedian, if you sit near the stage, there's a good chance you'll be part of the, the patter. I mean, that just happens. So, and these guys know each other. So, um, Chris Rock is doing some jokes about, um, the people he sees and he makes a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith, uh, and her shaven head. And G.I. Jane, which, by the way, is the only way G.I. Jane's ever going to get mentioned at an Academy Awards show. I think we are being played. I think we are being played big time. Now, you may disagree, and we can talk about it. 210-599-5555. If we're being played, here's what I mean by that. If we're being played, the Oscars, like all award shows, are in decline. The ratings and the relevance are in decline. People just don't care about celebrities patting each other on the back and, 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 you know, loving on each other, telling them, telling the world how great they are. We know who really makes these movies, and it's not famous or beautiful people. It's hard-working people with ink-stained fingertips and working behind cameras. You know, the kind of people Alec Baldwin kills. But we watch an award show, and you would think that the only people that make movies are actors and directors and the beautiful people, the people that get valet parking. So they're in decline, and they've never been talked about the morning after like they're being talked about right now. And I find it interesting that Will Smith's moment just happens to align with the acceptance speech he would later give, which he must already have written, for the award that he won for the role he played in the movie about the Williams sisters. I mean, that acceptance speech goes with the slap. If you believe the slap was spontaneous, that is one heck of a coincidence. And then we have the media echo chamber, right, that always falls for a bright, shiny object. They were interrupting sports on Saturday for the Biden speech. But by this morning, all they had time for was the slap heard round the world. And there are so many bad takes. Oh, man, if you had a basket, you couldn't couldn't carry all the bad takes. (laughs) that are going on with this right now, what this is really about, the social significance of this. It's about Trump. Howard Stern says it's about Trump, that Will Smith is Trump. Poor Howard Stern. I remember, I'm so old, I remember when Howard Stern was proud to be countercultural, and now he tries so hard to fit in. He's trying so hard 
to be, you know, um, one of the correct people. His thing used to be that he didn't give a crap about fitting in, and now he is so eager to be part of hashtag resistance. Um, I, I, so I think we're being played. Tell me what you think. 210-599-5555. I mean, I don't know a lot about the... I didn't watch the show. I heard about this, you know, last night. I watched the clip a few times today. I do know that Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith have an open marriage, that she has talked openly about sleeping with other men, and that he knows about it and has talked about it in interviews. I'm finding it a little hard to believe that a guy that could be okay with that publicly could not handle somebody joking about his wife's shaven head, especially somebody he knows and somebody who is a comedian. Uh, so I, I, I do think this was about ratings and about uh, capitalizing on people's attention. And I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I do know a lot of people are talking about it and have opinions about it. I had to wade through oceans of this stuff just to get to any other thing that I wanted to find today on the Internet, so I know this is how it is. I... I, uh, I'm, I'm a little surprised that nobody's talking about how impressive it was that Chris Rock took, took an open-faced slap to the face and then continued his awards presentation. I think that's pretty impressive. Will Smith's a bigger guy, and he full-on, you know, slapped him. Now, if, on the other hand, we are not being played, if this was an authentic moment, meaning this was not planned, prearranged, um, then I, I guess I just wonder why is Will Smith laughing at the joke, then going up there to avenge the joke? I think a really big question would be, did Chris Rock know that she had alopecia, which he has said today he did not know? And if that's the case, then r this really is an overreaction. And if he did know, then I suppose you could say, well, the joke is in bad taste. But then if the joke is in bad taste or the joke crosses a line... We're not in a bar, right? We're not out in the street. Everybody's got tuxedos and designer gowns on. You're supposed to act with some class. So even if you do believe and you drink down every drop of this and he was outraged and he uh, felt he had to defend his... This is, this is not the way to behave. And I heard people today, uh, one of them was um, a bunch of people in the media are trying to make this about um, setting a bad example for African-American men. Craig Melvin, the host of the Today Show, is really upset about the example this sets for African-American boys and men. Well, look, this is not the way anybody should act, okay? It's not about whether you're black or white. Um, this, is, this is not what you do. This is not how you act. And I would like to think that if, and God knows we don't need Hollywood actors as role models, but if, if you're going to talk about somebody being a role model, be a role model for all boys, not just black or white. Um, but, you know, the coarsening of the culture is something we've talked about and I think we're all pretty aware of. Who's played a bigger role in that than the entertainment industry? I mean, honest to God, <laughs> I mean, if you're making a list, they would have, it wouldn't matter who you were, they would be at the top of that list. I've heard people say today this was about Trump. That was the take on CNN and MSNBC, that this is Trump's world. Will Smith is Trump. This is a guy that thinks he can do anything he wants. Just hit people that he doesn't like or disagrees with. 
Boy, that's Trump living rent free inside your head, isn't it? If if you if everything you see connects back to Trump, like you've got one of those walls in your house with the red yarn, and you've got all the pins and the yarn, and it all connects back to some picture of Trump. Um, I mean, good lord, people, come on. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. I also thought to myself, man, if that was you or me. And we assaulted somebody with all those witnesses in all that prominence. We'd be in a lot more trouble than Will Smith is in today. I think the, the Academy has said they will investigate this. Big deal. What, what are they going to do? Put sanctions on him? Have a no-fly zone over, over his mansion? I mean, here, here's where Hollywood should shut up about privilege and talking about privilege. Because this is privilege. I don't care what color your skin is, you couldn't do that and be walking around giving interviews about it today. Tony is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Tony, good afternoon. Thank you. You know, like you had uh, said, uh, Jack, I am a Mexican-American, but I wonder if it was a white actor, if he would have got charged and they would have been talking uh, hate crime and it's Trump's fault. You know, like you said, you can sleep with his wife, but don't uh, talk about her hair, but Jack, uh, liberals are going to ignore this. You know, Will Smith has smacked people before he smacked a reporter in France. But black. Well, I don't think it has anything to do with the race, uh, Tony. I, you misheard me. If you if that's what you heard me say, that is not what I said. No, no, what I said was what I said. What? Let me let me be clear about this, okay? Because we're going to start the show with you putting words in my mouth. What I said was there's privilege at work here, because if you and I assaulted a co-worker i mean at the end of the day that's really what they are right they both work in the entertainment industry they're both performers on this awards show if i just assault somebody at work because of something he or she says it's not just an interesting topic of conversation on social media i'm getting criminal charges so i don't want any more lectures from hollywood about privilege and how they hate it or they are there to expose it or whatever they live it they are it and whatever you believe about this being real being contrived that that is pretty clear i think from this right now i mean that's that's hard to miss 210-599-5555 ladonna is on ktsa ladonna good afternoon Hey, good afternoon. Uh, I don't think we're being played. It's definitely not about race, like you said. What it's about is, unfortunately, kind of like Denzel told him, the devil appears when you're at your highest point. I think Jada is Will's devil, unfortunately. I don't think he knew what he was marrying into when he married her. And now he's there, and this is what we have. I think that... He was, I don't think he was sincere. I think Jada gave him the look because he laughed initially. And and there you have it. She pulls all the strings. How do you? I, I'm not. I don't mean this to sound as. I don't mean this to sound the way it's going to sound. How do, how do you know all this? I mean, you read, you hear, you. I saw it. I mean, you. But saw is all it the stuff we read? Is all the stuff we do? You believe all the stuff we read? I I saw the interview that Will did when Jada had him on the round table talking about right. her entanglement which was, okay. I'm sure, very embarrassing for him. I think he's got a lot of frustration built up with everything yeah. they've gone through. And I think Chris Rock... <laughs> I think Chris so Rock, it, Chris Rock was, like, the, not really the cause. He was, like, the straw that broke the camel's back kind of thing? Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. 
I just whenever I hear people, thanks, Ladonna. Whenever I hear people talk about celebrities like we know them, I just I, I don't think we do. I, I don't think we really do. I think it's it's easy to feel like uh, we know these, and, and they want that. I mean, that's the whole point of the PR machine is that we we should think, you know. And this goes back to the studio system in Hollywood. We're supposed to believe we know all about them. We really know their lives. We really know how they live. And of course, we find out. Years or decades later, we didn't know anything about any of them, right? All these people that were big sex symbols in the 40s and 50s were gay and lesbian, and they weren't really, you know, doing it with the people they were supposed to be doing it with, but they were doing it. And, they, you know, n- nothing, this is a, this is a mythology machine. So I don't know. I don't, I won't say I know about their marriage or I know what's going on in their, in their uh, personal lives. I don't know how to judge whether or not Jada Smith is the devil or. Or not? I really don't know. I just I do agree with with Ladonna that it seems weird to have been so open about the circumstances of the marriage, but then a, a hair joke would be, you know, unacceptable. And um, and you know, even if so, she says no. This is a legitimate thing. This really was not contrived. But even if that's true. You're supposed to act like an adult. You're at a special occasion. You're dressed up. You're part of a of a of a production that involves thousands of other people. It's not about you. It's, it's not your it's not your place to settle your scores. And yet that's now what we do, right? One athlete can use the platform of an Olympic Games or a football game to make his statement it's all about him it's not about a team or about other competitors that's you know, this this was a very 21st century moment whether it was contrived or not jerry is on ktsa as we talk about whether we're being played or not with this whole thing jerry good afternoon uh how you doing uh i think we're all played uh first thing i thought when i saw the whole thing on uh youtube and all that uh was andy kaufman he used to do this kind of stuff all the time. And uh, he went all through the whole shtick, and that was his, his thing. Uh, not telling jokes or anything, just to see if uh, he can get people to bite. And I think uh, at least three-quarters of America bit. Yeah. yeah no, you're right. I mean, you, you've got – I wish – I sure wish we could get people to care about some other things the way people care about this and have dug into it and they're researching it and analyzing it. Man, I'd, lo- I'd love to see people prepare like this before they vote. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't that be something? I mean, getting all the angles, getting all the background, 210-599-5555. If you, um, if you don't believe anything politicians say, but you totally believe everything you see actors and actresses do, we might have a problem. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to say that as a friend. Liz is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Liz, are we being played here or not? What do you think? I think we're being played by Will and by Jada, because Jada's not that good of an actress, and the look on her face was genuine. She's not that good of an actress, but Chris Chris Rock was sucker punched. You see his hands behind his back? He didn't see mm-hmm. it coming. I, I think mm-hmm. Will Will's mm-hmm. going to wind up in rehab. That's my prediction. He's going to go away to rehab and kind of find himself and him bringing up God and what God's calling him to love. And he just smacked a grown man. Yeah. 
Only in Hollywood could you give that He's speech broken. after you had slapped somebody. Yeah. Kevin Costner, I want to talk about the class act. Everybody shift to kick class acts and forget the trash. Yeah. So you watched the show, is that what you're saying? No, you know what caught me and and your 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 guy that answered the phone said don't get in the weeds. I was flipping channels. I never watched the Oscars, but the female uh-huh. um comedian that w- had all the men lined up on the stage and was kind of sexually harassing them, lining them up, bailing them up, belt up, you know, you know, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, my gosh, I forgot his name. He's so handsome. But the roles reversed. If a man was a man comedian was mm-hmm. up there lining up the women, bailing them right. up, pulling that stuff, and right. she even called out Will Smith sexually, and Jada didn't have a problem with that. Right. Um, and that kind of hooked me a little bit, and I thought, wow, this might actually be interesting. Mm-hmm. And then this, and then this happened. Yeah. Very interesting yeah. take. All right, Liz, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. 210 uh, 599 I agree with her, by the way. I, I, don't, I don't think I – when I say we're being played, what, I'm, what I mean is we're being played two ways. I, I think Will Smith's reaction was a contrivance to go with his acceptance speech – I think that we're being played by the media have, that have taken the, the, the Biden trip never happened. The war in Ukraine has stopped. Gas has come back down to a buck fifty. You know what I mean? They're, they've completely taken this on. But I don't think that necessarily means Chris Rock was in on it. Uh, he may have been. I don't know. I, I, that's not, I'm not including him in my we got played part. Uh, Tim says we're not being played. Tim, welcome to KTSA. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I just uh, I wanted to I wanted to take a little bit of a different angle on this, and that is that Saturday Saturday Night Live's ratings have been horrible for so many years now. Uh, I still find myself clicking on there once in a while to see who's on, and clicking right off of it. But mm-hmm. wouldn't uh, wouldn't people think that this Saturday night there's going to be a replay of this entire incident? skidded on Saturday Night Live because, as you know, Chris Rock's a Saturday Night Live alum. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess I guess it's obvious they'll do something with it. I, I don't I don't share your um, enthous- your optimism that they'll do something funny with it because lately they've managed to not they they'll take something that's obvious and still miss the mark. You know. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I hope you're right, but uh, what it, do you do? You think this was an authentic, like unplanned, unscripted, came out of the blue moment, or do you think there was any kind of coordination here? Uh, I don't think it was coordinated. I mean, uh, I want to say that well, you would hope. Uh, you know, they say chivalry's not dead, but you would hope that somebody would defend their wife's honor in a situation like this, but. I didn't really think of the angle of you're on TV, the entire world's watching, or a lot of people are watching. And but even defending your wife, I mean, th- this isn't this isn't the way. This is not the way to do that. Yeah, this is not the way to well, do that. I mean, if somebody like this, if yeah, somebody yeah, physically sure. ass- attacks your wife, you physically attack him. But if somebody tells a joke, chivalry is not yeah. bitch slapping the guy, uh, e- e- whether you're on TV <laughs> or not. It's just not. That's not chivalry. That's that's uncouth. Yeah. And that, that's why I think they're, they're trying to make this into a more noble gesture than it is. It really is not noble at all. Yeah. Do you, let me, do you think that more people will tune in next year now to see if another incident like this happens? I, I, don't, I have no idea, but I won't be one of them. I know that. 
<laughs> maybe maybe that will work for next year. That's a long way off. I don't know. Maybe it'll help the next awards show. I think the um, I think if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, I think the uh, the Grammys are the next awards show. Maybe people will watch that one in greater quantities now. I, I don't know that you couldn't you couldn't make me watch these shows uh, if you put a gun to my head. I'd say go ahead, take it because I don't want to watch them. Um, and I I appreciate the craft of movie making, and I'm a movie buff. I like movies. But th- what I don't want to see is the beautiful people who have the easiest part in all this act like they are the movies. You know, if you really enjoyed a movie, some movie you saw this year, you enjoyed the work of hundreds, maybe thousands of people you will never know or hear the names of. And yes, actors and actresses are part of that. But you watch these these self-aggrandizing, self-congratulating stroking one another egomaniacs you'd think they were the whole thing they're the business um, i love when they try to thank the little people and they just like stumble and slur through and they get the names wrong or they don't remember all of them and they laugh about that like well i can't be expected to remember all their names those little people you know that's to me that's what these shows are but that's just me i don't know if you're with me or not on this this to me is is important the president spoke in poland on saturday now if you watch left-wing media uh, they're going to tell you that he gave one of the greatest speeches that has ever been given. One guy on on uh, MSNBC said when they build the Biden memorial, imagine they've already got that plan, the, the excerpts of this speech will be on the wall. This was the Gettysburg Address. Another analyst on CNN said the speech was greater than Reagan's Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall speech. And yet, I don't remember anybody after the Gettysburg Address or Reagan in Berlin um, having to clean up and walk back what those presidents said. But the Poland speech has been walked back more than, you know, a walkathon. And they've had to clarify that the principal thing they've had to clarify was at the end of the president's remarks on Saturday, he said... For God's sake, this man cannot stay in power. Which is hard to take any other way than as an exhortation, right, to get rid of Putin. This man cannot remain in power. Well, the White House quickly went into damage control mode. That's not, We're not calling for regime change. We just mean he can't be allowed to exercise power over his neighbors in the region, said Secretary Blinken. Um, I, I'll tell you what I think is happening here, and I'd like to get your reaction to it, 210-599-5555. The, the, one of the biggest problems with this president is not stumbling and fumbling and misspeaking, but that almost everything he says of a declaratory nature has to be walked back or reversed his words mean nothing when he says something it means nothing you have to wait because it's only after Jen Psaki defines it or Blinken cleans it up or somebody else retracts it that you know what he really meant so here we are at a, a you know I, I don't want to be melodramatic but I think of a pretty tense moment I think your sons and daughters are closer to going to war in in Europe than at any time in the last you know, 75, 80 years. I, I think we are getting very close to U.S. 
combat troops in Ukraine, despite everybody saying that's not going to happen. Remember, every war we've ever been in was was um, preceded by assurances that we were not going to get into that war. Every one of them. I hope I'm wrong about this, but I think we're getting very close. Anyway, so it's a, it's a very important moment, right? Words matter. Does he mean the things he says? Piers Morgan wrote a column about this, of all people, and he was comparing uh, during World War II, Churchill was having a cabinet meeting, and he declared in the cabinet meeting that if somehow the Allies captured Hitler, they would kill him, they would execute him. And Piers Morgan said he meant it, and he was very specific about it. And everyone in that meeting knew he meant it. Now, we may feel that way about Putin. But Biden doesn't mean it. And the world knows Biden doesn't mean it. And they know he doesn't mean any of the things he says with great emphasis and at the top of his lungs. What do we mean if Jen Psaki has to keep explaining what we really meant? And what does that do to our position in the world, to the safety and security of our troops, of our allies, of the Ukrainians? What, what does it do when you have someone that is just not, not there and his words don't have meaning? Now, I also think that if you know anything about the way a dictator or a... Um, demagogue like Vladimir Putin works, those words were a gift to him. Those words were a gift. I can assure you they are being replayed and and um, rebroadcast and reprinted through Russian propaganda outlets. You know why? Because this is proof for his people that the world is out to get their leader, their country. We know the Russians are wrong. We know the Russian government invaded Ukraine. They're the aggressors. We know they're the ones committing war crimes. We know Putin is the reason. We know he's, we know he's, a, he's an evil person. But when you say stuff like this and you have no intention of doing anything about it, and you walk it, oh, we didn't mean it. All you've done is given him propaganda to use. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we had the author of the book about Putin, uh, the guy that wrote the book um, The New Czar, which is a story of Putin's rise to power. He said, you know, one of the things that works for him is the Russian people are very paranoid about the West. They have always believed the West had it in for them. They've always had a, uh, a complex. Go, goes back to Peter the Great 300 years ago. So needless to say, Every successful, uh, you know, strong man who's come to power in Russia, whether it was a czar, whether it was a communist, whether it was post-communist, they all do this. They all feed into that paranoia. I'm the only thing between you and the wicked West. And that's what he gave them. The American president is standing over there with all these lights and cameras on him, calling for me to be overthrown. Who the hell do they think they are, Putin is saying to his people. And it's a lie, right? Because, of course, we would like regime change. (laughs) But but you, you don't say it unless you're saying it with meaning, with intention. 
And then you've got to explain why that would be the right thing, why that would matter. And then you also have to weigh whether or not saying that is the best way to get it. You and I know in our own lives, right? There are times that if you say something you're thinking, you sabotage it actually happening. So maybe there's somebody in Russia. Maybe there's a cabal. Maybe there's a conspiracy. Okay, so the the worst thing you can do is run your mouth about it. The best thing you can do is get in touch with them, support them, coordinate with them. I hope we're doing that. Maybe we are. I know that Biden is not the entire U.S. government, just as Putin is not the entire Russian government. And I, I'm sure there are elements in his country that realize this is not working out and he's not working out. But uh, no, the, the, the Biden speech was like every other big Biden moment. The words are... You know, the words are there. Somebody wrote the words, but the intentionality, the, the, the meaning, the sincerity is not there. And it's very insincere. You know, he was coming out of church yesterday, the president now, was coming out of church, and he was asked by some reporters, were you calling for regime change? No, he said. Well, then what the hell was that for? What was the point of that? I mean, either you said it or you didn't. If you said it, own it. Double down on it. This is not great wartime leadership. This is wartime. And again, I, I hope I'm wrong about this, but I think we are getting very, very close to being or getting involved. It's, it, it'll just take one thing, one crossing of one line. And the president said in his speech, and he's right to say it, that we have uh, responsibilities to NATO and to NATO member countries. So you just need one plane, one missile that goes off course. You just need one... Uh, mistake by one unit in the field and you've crossed a border and you've attacked a NATO country or NATO troops or civilians in a NATO country and now we're at war. So we are very close. He's right about that. I have a lot of people say to me, I I'm worried about what's going on. I'm worried about the world situation, but I'm also very worried about the leadership we have in this moment. What is President Biden for? What is the doctrine here? What is the goal here? He has spent so much time telling us what we won't do. And then he declares something that's a game changer. I mean, it's regime change. Putin must go. I mean, that's, that's not, he must, give back the territory, he must pay reparations, he must go. He cannot remain in power anymore, said the president. The top of his lungs. And then everyone around him said, nope, 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 no, that's not what it means, that's not, that's not what he said, or that's not what, how you should take it. And that makes you worry even more, doesn't it? 210-599-5555. And what else has he said with great fervor that he really doesn't mean. Um, and what else are we going to say that we're not going to do? We're writing a lot of checks that we better hope no one tries to cash 
And this is the latest one. And this is, this is not only what we're doing with Ukraine, but this is Joe Biden's life. This is most of his public life. Pretending to be something he's not. Pretending to have strongly held convictions. Delivering speeches that he plagiarized from somebody else. He even tells a pretend version of how he came to run for president in 2020. And all presidents occasionally go off script, but in a moment like this, it's, it's very important to mean what you say and have intentionality behind what you say. This trip had a series of bungles, a series of events, where the president's remarks had to be walked back. And when I say we're getting closer to, I'm, I, I'm afraid we're getting closer to an actual war in, in, uh, in Europe, What's, what's happening is we're backing into it. We're not um, biting the bullet and saying, well, we really don't want to do this, but we're, we have to, we're left with no choice, or we can't let the suffering continue, or whatever it is. We're, we're incrementally backing and stumbling forward into this, which is never a good way to undertake anything, right? You make a big decision, you have to get in with both feet. 210-599-5555, when the president himself said, no, I, I, <laughs> I wasn't calling for regime change. And I guess he got scolded by Macron, the, pre- the French president, because Macron's like, hey, I'm still negotiating with Putin. Uh, if we're going to have a ceasefire, I can't be having that kind of talk. It's embarrassing to have that guy, right, the president of France, correcting an American president. But that's where we are right now. And um, I'm not saying this to be nasty or political. And I don't, believe me, I have a lot of friends and a lot of relatives that voted for Biden. And I don't, I don't, you know, uh, taunt them. But I think to myself, whatever your gripe was with Trump, and I know they had aesthetic problems with him. They didn't like the way he looked. They didn't like the way he talked. They didn't like the tweets. They didn't like his hair. They didn't like his wife. And he was far from perfect. And I'm not saying he would have handled this situation perfectly because I don't know. But you guys made it a big-time priority to end him and get this guy in there. And it just doesn't, it's just not working. It is. It does not work. And I really believe a lot of people figured, well, it doesn't matter what Joe Biden will do or say because this is really going to be president by committee and there's going to be these people around him that are crafting and formulating policy and all he has to do is be the face of it. We said that during the campaign. I think we did. Um, that, that, was the, that was the working theory. But you have moments like this where, where only a president can speak. No one else can give that Poland speech, just like no one else could have gone to Berlin in 80, whatever that was, 87 or whatever that was. And then you need a president. We don't have one. We have a committee with a symbol who can't stick to the script. All right, so we got a lot to talk about. 210-599-5555. There's a professor of sociology in Binghamton, New York, University of Binghamton, who had put on her syllabus that in her class she will call on minorities, women, and shy people 
first, and she will call on white males last. She put it on the syllabus. The school took some heat and told her to remove it from the syllabus. But she says, I'm still going to do it. If you're white, male, or someone privileged by the racial and gender structures of our society to have your voice easily heard, we will often ask you to hold off on questions or comments. We'll come back to you at the end or another time. So we're going to not call on you if you're white and privileged. It's funny, though. If people really meant privileged in the way that I understand it, then they wouldn't append white to it. Because in certain situations, there's privilege for black people or privilege for Hispanic people or privilege for women or privilege for, you know, privilege attaches to the circumstances of a, of a unique person. I mean, if you are a black billionaire, you have privilege that I don't have, and I'm white and male. I I think privilege is just a fancy word of saying we're sticking it to people we don't like. We're sticking it to people that we think had the upper hand or had a, an unfair advantage or or who held us down or who hurt our feelings or whatever it is. This is just somebody with an axe to grind. But when you talk about it in terms of privilege and you throw in shy people, it's supposed to seem nobler uh, than it really is. She was told to remove the wording from the syllabus because it violated school policy. But a rally on the campus indicated support for her policy, and she says she's going to continue to do it. Now, I guess if enough professors do this, won't somebody at some point have to announce that they'll call on white males first? Because, I mean, wouldn't this eventually put white males in the... I'm just... It's it's so absurd. And it, to me, and you can tell me if you disagree, but to me it's just settling scores and scoring points and virtue signaling. and um, Some people overcome adversity and keep looking forward. Some people overcome adversity and, and cannot let go of who they perceive as their obstacles or their detractors. And so when, even when they get to the top, she's a professor. She's tenured. She has a, a class. She has job security. She's going to stick it to the people that maybe at one time didn't respect her or made her feel small or slighted. It's an interesting way to handle success. I guess different people do it different ways. It's kind of amazing to me that people keep paying top dollar for that experience for their child. I, 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 if I'm sending my white male child to Binghamton University, knowing that this is how they see things, and I'm paying through the nose to do that, it really says more about me than it says about than it says about her, it says about them. You know? I'm just begging for it. And when I do, they'll be glad to um to supply it.
210-599-5555. All right, so the slap, we're being played on the slap. We're being played. I'm telling you, I think we're being played two ways. I think we're being played that it was spontaneous. And I think we're being played by the the media cover of it, a coverage of it, which has displaced other things. And now everybody has an opinion about the slap. It's fascinating to watch this happen and to know that we're going to keep having bright, shiny objects like this. So I, I'm not going to spend the whole show on it, but I'm, I'm happy to hear what you think. And we're asking you about it on the JR poll. And then the president goes to Europe says Putin cannot stay in power. So he's the president, he's the commander-in-chief. He he states at the end of an emotional address to the Poles and to the Ukrainian refugees, this man cannot remain in power. That is a war aim. That is something you say when you're at war. But he says the whole point of this trip was that we're not. Elsewhere on the trip, he addressed American servicemen and told them what they would see when they went to Ukraine about what was being done to the women and children. And the, the press corps were like, whoa, 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 what, what do you mean when they go to Ukraine? And that had to be walked back. Oh, no, he meant, he meant um, what they're seeing on the news and, and what they'll see when they interact with Ukrainians in Poland or in Europe. But it sounded like he meant, we're, you're on your way there. He was talking to, I think, the 82nd Airborne. You're on your way to Ukraine. This is what you'll see. And then elsewhere on the trip, the question came up about chemical weapons. And the response from President Biden was that uh, there would be a response in kind. And they had to walk that back and say, no, we're not suggesting we would use chemical weapons in response to the use of chemical weapons. So, I mean, what of his words are they supposed to believe? And how does it affect this situation when, for better or worse, the whole world is hanging on this guy and his staff has to keep doing cleanup on aisle five? 210-599-5555. So all of that going on here this afternoon on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Jack Riccardi and Esteban is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Esteban, good afternoon. You're talking about the professor. I got a very simple question. My mom and my aunt told me <clears throat> about one of their uncles back when Hispanics were not allowed certain places who passed for white. And mm. he would announce when he was paying his bill, mm-hmm. and you just served a Mexican. Mm-hmm. And, you know... So how's she going to know who the white students are? How's she going to know who the shy students are? Is that is that indicated on their registration form, or what? Yeah. I mean, it's absurd. You, you know, councilman, former councilman Brockhouse, you would never guess that he had a Latina as his mother. Yeah. And, and so this just shows... How absurd this obsession with skin color mm-hmm. is, and it's mm-hmm. not on the right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Very good point, Esteban. Thank you. Um, 210-599-5555. Hope you're getting through Monday okay. And um, National Institutes of Health came out with some scary numbers. In the year 2020, we lost a hundred. Well, 99,000 Americans, not to COVID, 
to alcohol. 99,017 people died of alcohol-related deaths. Everything from accidents involving alcohol to overdoses and poisons and uh, not poisons, but, you know, uh, toxicity and, and liver disease. Um, it was uh, all genders, all races, all age groups. It was a year-over-year increase of 25%. The alcohol fatality rate in 2020 among young adults, 25 to 44, increased 40%, increased by 40%. So alcohol was killing Americans in the midst of a pandemic. And 2020 was about seven times as deadly as the average year for alcohol deaths. What might explain that? Why would that be? Why did we drink ourselves to death in unprecedented numbers in 2020? Well, wrecked economy, isolated people, people that um, already maybe were low or down or blue, feeling lower and downer and bluer. There was another study that said a lot of people that were addicted to drugs couldn't get them, and they resorted to whatever drug they could get, which in some cases was alcohol. Now, I bring this up because we're still not having a reckoning with our overlords and our rulers. They love to talk about COVID deaths and COVID cases because then they can white knight on it. They can say, well, we saved you or we're saving you or we, but they don't like to talk about how their policies were killing people. Their policies were killing people. And that is indisputable. And one of the things we learned about our country in 2020, if we didn't already know it, is we're not really a nation of laws anymore. You know, they used to talk about, are we a nation of laws or a nation of men? And what that meant was, a nation of laws has the guarantee of rights and due process. A nation of men just means that, and this is how it is in much of the world, the ones with power rule over the ones without. The ones with money rule over the ones without. The ones who were better born born to a higher station, rule over the ones that were born to a lesser station. And we've always bragged that we're a nation of laws, not a nation of men. But then in 2020, we became a nation of men. We, we, we suddenly saw elected so-called public servants declaring our businesses non-essential and wielding powers they had made up. And when asked, where are you getting it, laughingly admitting we're not getting it from anywhere. This is an emergency, damn it. The governor of New Jersey went on live television and was asked, where in the Constitution does it say you can do this or do that? And he his answer was, I'm not reading the Constitution. I don't care if it's in the Constitution. That's a nation of men, not a nation of laws. I don't mean it in the in the gender sense. We can say a nation of people, if you want, or a nation of rulers, but that's the same thing. A nation of men can move the goalposts. So when we're locking down 
because of cases and then cases go down. Well, now we're locking down because of deaths or now we're locking down because of this. And the goalposts kept moving. And some governors announced blueprints for reopening, but when the numbers they had set as their trigger points were reached, they would not reopen. They didn't want to. It's a nation of men, not a nation of laws. So, the, I, I, I've said all through this, the, the COVID statistics are one thing. And even those are fungible, right? Because we, last week we had, was it, uh, I think it was CDC or one of those alphabet agencies took a bunch of COVID deaths off the books. So even those aren't sure, certain. But that's one thing. That's one set of data. But what they don't want to hear about or talk about are the things their policies contributed to. And I think that's only fair, right? This is following the science. I'm following the science. I think there are specific, logical, provable explanations for why more people drank themselves to death in a year when they couldn't work and they couldn't earn and they were worried about paying the rent and they were lonely. And, you know, funny thing about government, government has tried to take the place of everything else in your life. Government wants to be in place of parents. Government wants to be in place of churches and faith and community. Government wants all of that. They, they can never get enough power. And in 2020, they had the ultimate serving of it. They had everything. They had shut the churches. They had shut everything. Funny thing, though, people have never done worse when we gave them everything, or they took everything, we didn't give it. We've never done worse. We've never been worse. I, this is what I hope people are waking up to. I, I, I know some people want a red wave in November, and, and I get that. But what we really need is a reset or a reawakening that's even deeper than that. We, we need to get smart about what they did, what they pulled. And what they're not taking responsibility for now, 210-599-5555. They've, they've promised you it was all to save lives. It's only fair that we ask, what about these lives that your policies took? What about these lives that your policies cost us? Are you telling us? Would you be willing to go on the record and say, 100,000 alcohol deaths is a, is a, is a good price to pay? It's, a, it's, you know, it's, Got to break a few eggs to make an omelet, Jack. We had to sacrifice those 100,000 people to save you. Somebody's got to put that to them, right? And the way that happens is not in one election, but over a period of time. And the only way this does not happen to us again is if there is a political bloodletting such that no politician, even tempted, will adopt those kinds of powers again. And they'll be tempted. It'll be the same people or the next governor or the next mayor. But you you want him to think, oh, but wait a minute. People really wrought havoc and took it out on us and they came for us and they, um, you know, <laughs> they fired everybody. We can't do that. We'd never get away with it again. Right now, I'm afraid they feel I would get away with it. Would they? Do you think they would? 
Would they try all this again? Would 2020 happen again? Right now, my answer would be yes. Let's see what happens. So a guy wrote a piece. Uh, his name is Chris uh, Machizek. And he wrote a piece um, on a tech website I was reading about a new kind of Starbucks. And they're testing, the company is testing Starbucks with no human interactions. You have the app on your phone. You pick out your drink or design your drink. Because people design their drinks. I mean, I just get coffee, but, you know, I want two pumps of this. I want, you know, all that stuff. So you, you use the app. You order your drink. Uh, or you can go in and there's a screen. There are no tables. There are no chairs. There is no counter. There are no people visible. There are people working behind and out of sight making the drinks. But you don't talk to anyone and no one talks to you. And here's your drink. And he said um, they had interviewed some people that worked in this type of setting, and the, and the employees love it. Because it turns out what they hate the most is interaction with us. They love this idea, the employees of Starbucks, because dealing with us is so awful. We're so mean. We're so demanding. We're so in their face. We have complaints. We have issues. And no one can say anything. No one can talk to them. And his point was, and, and I wanted to ask you about this, are we really ready to give up human interaction? Is this a good idea? Or, or, or is this where we should be going? Now, Forget about COVID for a minute. Forget about um, the fact that, yes, the world is going to apps and there's an app for everything. Is there still value? I'm asking. I want I want to know your answer to this. Is there still value in the chit-chat of, hey, uh, how you doing today? Or, hey, didn't see you uh, Thursday. Or, you know, just the little things. And not just Starbucks, but anywhere you go. I mean, there's so many places now where you scan your own items, put them in a bag, and leave. So you go into the store, you find your stuff, you ring it up, you bag it, and you carry it out. And you can have no interaction with anyone from that company the whole time you're there. That's by design. That's their plan. And they want more of it. Is this just progress? Or is this something we will miss when it's gone. And young people can only see it from the standpoint of, well, customers are a hassle. They just bitch and moan and complain, and they've got attitudes, and some of them don't smell very good. And when you're young, it's, I I mean, I can understand, maybe, (laughs) you just want a job where nobody hassles you. But are we really... Are, are we really to the point where you're so delicate that human interaction is, oh, I can't bear it. Oh, the thought of the person I made the drink for or made the sandwich for having to talk to, oh, I just, one girl says, I would work at this job for free. 
if I didn't have to deal with a customer. I mean, what are we doing here? 210-599-5555. And I got to say, just in full interest, you know, full disclosure, I'm a pretty introverted person. I I don't I'm not a a backslapper. I'm not a, you know, talking up everybody I meet. I keep to myself. I most places I go, I've got my head down. I'm minding my own business. I'm not asking to be engaged and chatted up and I a lot of times I'd probably prefer not to be, but but I do enjoy, you know, there's occasionally there's a, somebody says something or makes conversation, and that's part of the day. That's part of how we warm up to each other. You feel like you exist. You feel like you matter. You count. We talked about this the other day. These big companies like Starbucks and Trader Joe's, they actually train their people to kind of not flirt, but kind of, you know, engage the customers a little. But th- the reason they do that is because there's perceived value in that. It makes the customer feel better about the brand or the business or going in there. I'm a regular there. Or they know me or they recognize me. Sounds like we're flirting with the idea of just doing away with that. And are you, are you good with that? Is that all right? I mean, hey, that's fine. Screens are fine, Jack. I'm okay. Or not. 210-599-5555. And I also started to think about when I was young, my first job was in a, a, a little neighborhood, like pharmacy, drugstore kind of place. We had all that. We had a pharmacist and we had, you know, over-the-counter drugs. But then we also had like Hallmark cards and gifts and Whitman's chocolates and things like that. We had a little bit of everything. We had snack foods. We had cigarettes. Big seller was cigarettes. And in that job... I. I had things I was supposed to do. I was supposed to run the cash register. I was supposed to stock the shelves. I was supposed to price. I was supposed to get stuff out of the storeroom. They never really told me, talk to the customers, but you just do, right? And when you're young, that's how you learn that set of skills, that kind of interaction. You know how to talk to your friends, you know how to talk to your mom and dad. You know how you talk to your uh, your teachers, let's say. But when you get your first job, that's when you learn how to talk to the public. Seems like giving that up and saying, let's just stop having that, might not be a good idea. We think this through. So apparently Starbucks is doing it, McDonald's is doing it, and you got to figure they're probably on the tip of the spear for other companies and other businesses that are exploring uh, basically stores where there would be no um, human interaction. The transaction would take place with no human interaction. Just wondering how you feel about that. 210-599-5555. And then I was even thinking back to the story we had about the dramatic increase in alcohol fatalities during 2020. I really think the biggest piece of that was isolation, was loneliness. I know I knew some people. I, I, at the beginning, it was kind of a joke. I remember in the, in the early weeks of everything being closed, I would joke with friends. I would say, they'd say, how you're doing? And I'd say, well, I'm an introvert. This is, I've been preparing my whole life for this. That was my, that was my go-to joke, you know, and we'd laugh. But then I started to realize that wasn't funny because extroverts were really hurting. Extroverts had a hell of a tough time. And when they couldn't go to work or do their job at work, 
when they were missing out on this kind of stuff we're describing here, which is just very casual chit-chat, random encounters kind of, it, it does a number on people. This is the kind of thing I think we could go down this road several years and then someday look up and go, whoa, wait a minute. We, we tore something down without really understanding its value. We do that a lot. We get rid of something because it's old-fangled. Oh, we don't need that anymore. We've got technology. Then we find out that, yeah, you had technology, but there was a charm to that or there was a, an intangible value to that thing you gave up that tradition or that habit. You don't need it, but you kind of miss it. What do you think about that? 210-599-5555. I also realize I'm saying this is an old dude, so somebody may be hearing this in their 20s and 30s and be like, come on, Riccardi, I mean, really? You really need to see the person that made your, your coffee? You really need to have a word with them? Michael is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Michael, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Well, I'll tell you, I listen to you a lot, and it's the first time I had a chance to talk to you. I'm but glad you called. I think I got a, I think I've got a, uh, an idea, and it comes from the series Cheers. I was watching okay. Cheers last night, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the title song where someone knows your name, mm-hmm. and I think we. I think it's important for us as a human species to interact with each other mm-hmm. in real time, seeing reactions in real time, and having fun with each other mm-hmm. on the mistakes and the foils and the foibles that we have. Right. right. And, and, you know, and I mean, I, I was a bartender. We had our regulars. And it was very important for them to come in at the end of their day because that's how they ended their day. They would talk with their, with, they'll tell their bartender things they won't tell their mate. Right. So, uh, you know, so you'll sit there and you'll, you'll have this experience of sharing and maybe digesting the events of the day by sharing it with somebody who's right next to you. And I think in Starbucks, which I have one right across the street, um, the drive through in the morning is packed full of people that are honking their horns or right. angry it's, just, it's it's you don't need cable you can just sit out front at seven o'clock in the morning and watch the news really but anyway so so you see this stuff going on and i think people are getting shorter and shorter with each other because the news is not good and instead of us trying to try to make sense of what's going on with differences, understanding differences. Mm-hmm. We just would rather just pretend like it's not happening and just yeah. get me in, get me out. And Is there a danger that, that if we have person. less of that interaction that you described, like the, you know, Norm and Norm going into cheers and everybody says, hey, Norm, uh, if we have less of that, does that mean we're going to be not so great at the times we do interact with each other? Our skills will diminish, absolutely. I would think they would, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, our skills our skills of telling a good joke to each other. When's the last time you had somebody tell you a really good joke? When's the last you know, time people, you people? I'm glad you brought that up because people won't tell you a joke now unless they really know you. They have to be sure. They have to be sure that it's safe, which is crazy. 
Like, you would never have somebody in a waiting room now say, hey, want to hear a good joke? I mean, that would never happen now. They'd have to know how you voted. They'd have to know what religion you were, whether you were divorced. I mean, there's... They couldn't. They couldn't do it. I think that's a great point. And and to your point about losing social skills, that's exactly how I feel about it, Michael. I think that's very well said. We we don't realize that those are the things that round off the rough edges that humanize us or warm us to one another. There to us, it's just going in and getting a coffee. But it's it's also like practice for how to be a good human being. And yeah, I, I'm with you. If we lose that. Uh, I think we might miss it. Good call, Michael. Thank you. Good to hear from you. Not picking on Starbucks, but they just happen to be the subject of this article. Uh, they're developing stores where you would order with an app. You would uh, be told by your app that your drink is ready. You'd go in. You'd get it. The, 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 the employees are all hidden away. No interaction. No chit-chat. You don't see anybody. You pick up the drink because you have the app. You've paid for it with your preloaded means of payment, and that's the future, they think. And it may be. It may be. I'm not, who am I to tell them how to run their business? I do wonder, if is this really what we want? Do we really want to give away and give up on the, you know, mingling and the human interaction, however inefficient or old tech it might be? I think that's part of what humanizes us to one another. And the reason the in this article they they are talking to some of the workers and the workers love this idea. They can't wait to be free from having to hear or see any of us. 210-599-5555 John's on the radio. John, good afternoon. Welcome to the show. Oh, and uh, great listening to you. Uh I just heard a beep. Are we still going here? Oh, we're here. Yep, we're good. Okay, good, good, good. Um, I'm kind of half a dozen one, six of the other. I like going to HEB and scanning and going so you don't have to stand in the long lines. Mm-hmm. However, when it comes to the food services, and I noticed that a lot of these kiosks and things are going into McDonald's and Starbucks and places like that, but uh, I like being able to talk to people. I like the, 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 the server to tell me, uh, you know, what's good, what's bad. Mm-hmm. I, Jack, I, I've been here for 48 years. I moved down here from upstate New York, and I, like another fellow I know that's on the air right now, I'm Italian. And I remember the old corner store where you could go into the old corner store. They knew who you were. You mm-hmm. go up to get a real submarine sandwich. I'm not talking about a subway. <laughs> I'm talking about a, and you know exactly what I'm. I talking know what you mean. About. So and and uh, hey, I got some great new prosciutto. You got to try this right. prosciutto, right? Or or uh, a capicola, or, or you know, he right. would. You know, you, you order a sub, and he'll say, "How about some of this? How about some of that? You're doing okay." And that interaction, I think, mm-hmm. we can never really lose because if we do lose that we're going to lose some of what humanity is to us today i I agree i agree i mean that's that this is the kind of stuff that you won't miss till it's gone and when it's there you don't think about it i mean you wouldn't even be you and i wouldn't even be having this conversation now if i hadn't brought up the fact that they're they're trying to do away with it so i I, that's a great that's a great point john thank you thank you for the call um 
Uh, one more thing I'll just throw out. I, when I worked, as I said, when I worked in high school, before the only job I ever had that wasn't in radio at this little drugstore, pharmacy, corner store kind of place, um, we were in competition with CVS and Walgreens, and they were growing, and, you know, gradually, they eventually they put that store out of business. It's gone now. But um, we, uh, I would... I would, you know, talk with my coworkers. I'd talk with my boss, who also owned the store. Well, how are we? How are we doing versus CVS? And how are we gonna? And he was very honest with me. I think he, you know, he was a guy that wanted his kids to learn while they worked. He said, "We can't, we can't compete with CVS on price. Everything people compare is going to be less at CVS because they buy, you know, a hundred thousand times more of it than we do." He said, people come here because we talk to them, because we're friendly, because we know them, because we already know what they want and are getting it off the the shelf before they even get to the register, stuff like that. And and he was right. I mean, I knew my customers' cigarette brands. I knew, you know, stuff that, little things like that. And eventually, even that was not worth paying extra for, and those people all wound up going to the chain stores but it's it is something people value they just don't know they value it till they have to consider the possibility of it going away and then the part we didn't really talk about i'm a little worried about young people that would be this um thrilled they're so happy they won't have to deal with customers what do they think their life is going to be like are they going to exist in a bubble are they never going to have a roommate or a dorm mate, or a cubicle mate, are they, are they never going to have to? I mean, just because they don't like dealing with strangers or they like being left alone, is that, that's not how, that's not what life promises. That's not what you're going to get. Not sure we should give into that because that's not how it's going to work out. I think we've set a record today for the most opinions about an Oscars show that people did not see but everybody's got one everybody's got an opinion about the slap about the moment comedian chris rock is presenting a category and he's joking about the people he can see sitting up near the stage like comedians do and he cracks a funny at jada pinkett smith the wife of actor will smith who was nominated for and ultimately won one of the major academy awards here is the Smackdown moment, cut number two. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Get my name out your mouth. Wow, dude. Yeah. It was a G.I. Jane jump. Keep my wife's name out your mouth. I'm going to, okay? <laughs> I can, oh, okay. That was a greatest night in the history of television. Okay. okay. Are we uh, are we being played here? I I think we are. I think we're being played big time. And if we are being played, it would make sense. The Oscars are in decline, ratings and relevance wise. Uh, the Will Smith moment just happens to align with the acceptance speech that he gave. I mean, what are, what are the odds that a guy would defend his wife's honor, then get up and accept an award for a movie in which his character defends women, girls, 
and talks about it and connects it to the moment in the acceptance speech. Here's cut number three. Now, no, to do what we do, you got to be able to take abuse. You got to be able to have people talk crazy about you. In this business, you got to be able to have people disrespecting you. And you got to smile and you got to pretend like that's okay. Mm, that's not what he did, though. Um, and of course, this being Hollywood, where they love to talk about privilege and race and all the sins of America, absolutely nothing is going to happen to Will Smith. If you or I had slapped Chris Rock, I think it would be different. And certainly, if you or I did this in our workplace, and that is a workplace, they're performers, uh, it would be very different. So we don't want to hear any more lectures from Hollywood about privilege. Um, but what's going on here? 210-599-5555, our question on the JR poll, are we being played? Comedian and businessman Roman Garcia is joining us to talk about this right now here on 550-1071-KTSA. We were trading alopecia jokes today off the... No, we weren't. No, we were not. I'm just making that up. Um... So I got to ask you, I mean, my mind went to you and other comedians I know because Chris Rock is, he's doing a very Chris Rock thing in that moment, right? Yeah, and and, and that's the thing is that, especially knowing Chris Rock's style, I I heard someone that uh, told me, hey, you could see on the way going into the Oscars, Jada and Will and Jada kind of looked a little a little off, right? Like maybe a little, didn't seem real happy to be there. It's like, hey, this is a big occasion. Why is she happy? Probably because they knew they're going to be sitting up front. Will's nominated for this Oscar. And so you know there's a lot of comedians on stage and someone's going to go after them. And they probably already Mm -hmm. knew that. And what Mm -hmm. I found interesting was in the video, Chris Rock made the G.I. Jane joke and Will Smith was cracking up. Yes. Look at the whole thing. He's cracking up till she's upset. Mm-hmm. Then he goes and he does what he does. And a lot of the comedians have been chiming in today how this really does set a dangerous precedent for people to think like, okay, if I'm offended, I can just go up there and smack you around. Well, um, I was going to ask you that. I mean, if I'm at one of your comedy shows, can right. I do what Will Smith right. did? Right. That's what I'm saying. It's not acceptable. So why is it acceptable here just because it's Will Smith, just because it's Jada Smith or whatever. I don't think, I wouldn't have done that kind of joke. I think it's, you know, it's not a good joke. And it is a little distasteful to me. But that's not the point here. The point is that this is what comedians do. You know, this is what people do. And I think if Will Smith would have taken a little more of a high road and said, you know what, I'm going to address this afterwards. And we may even make a statement. Everybody would be loving on Will Smith today. Today, it's more 50-50 Will versus Chris. So I I've heard that uh, I've heard that Chris Rock has said he did not know she had alopecia, and that also would be interesting if you didn't know and you thought she just shaved her head. I think it's a I think right. it's a fair joke. I'm with you if you sure. did know it was a disease that she has actually talked about, and it, apparently it was a very traumatic thing for her. Then I could understand where you would say hey, that's way over the line. But then sure. that still doesn't explain. I mean, this is not you're not in the in the hood. You know, you're not at a bar. Let's take this outside and settle it. You're in tuxedos and designer gowns. You're on live television. You're at a gala event. Have some, you know, couth. Sure, sure. Do you remember there was a lot of comedians that used to make fun of, like, Sinead O'Connor? 
How many jokes oh, yeah. were there about Britney, about Britney Spears when she shaved her head? So if Chris Rock wasn't aware that she has alopecia, he probably just may have said something off the cuff, you know? Uh, you can't assume everybody knows everything about everything that's going on. People and they go, "Well, she's made statements. He should have known." How does he know? I didn't know till last night that she had alopecia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? I didn't either. So, yeah, and, I didn't either. And, and, and yeah, and, and and so anyway, it's just one of those things. And I get it where where people are like, "Oh, well, he was defending his defending his wife, defending his woman, whatever." I tell you what, <laughs> the other night, my wife and I went to a concert. I almost got into a fight with a guy because he made a comment about my wife because she was bumping her. And she says, hey, you know, and, and he was doing it deliberately. He didn't know I was standing a person behind that I was her husband. He was trying to get her attention. He kept bumping her. And she said, hey, stop bumping me. So then he gets pissed off and he starts kind of being ugly. So I step up in the middle and he tells me she's talking mess. That's not the word mm-hmm. he used. So, mm-hmm. so then I got in his, in his face. You know, so I get it. You're defending your But this was a guy who was being aggressive. This this isn't a guy who just made a joke, you know, Mm -hmm. a comedian that you know is going to make a joke. So uh, this defending honor thing, uh, okay, but, you know, I can kind of go 50-50 on that, too. Uh, They've also, uh, I noticed CNN and MSNBC had analysts that tied it to Trump because, of course, everything (laughs) connects to Trump. And so um, this uh, woman on CNN (laughs) said that Will Smith, is basically doing what Trump does to people. Howard Stern said that too uh, on his show this morning. I, I don't. I don't know where, where. Where do they not remember like Don Rickles or I? I, I mean, insult right. comedy and people taking offense to comedy. This is as old as comedy. Right. Right. Remember Nutty Professor? That was one of the big things. Was uh, was on stage. Uh, it was Dave Chappelle making fun of the weight. You know. Of, of Eddie Murphy, you know, he's because, and people related because they know this is what comics do. Right. And he was like, oh, remember, he didn't want to sit in the front in the movie. No, let's not sit in the front because he already knew or, or they were trying to leave. And, you know, you already know. I've had people come to my shows, friends, and I invite them out. They haven't been out. They go, I go, okay, we'll get your seat in the front. Okay, Roman, no. don't make fun of me. Like, you already know. You already I would know. not sit in the front at your show. I would not sit in the front. I'll be in the back. Yeah, I would have nothing I could say about you, Jack, because you have. Oh, no please! You'd have so much material on me. You, you <laughs> with all the time we spent together, you might not even get to your. You might not even get to your other jokes. Right. What about yeah, yeah, so? Upset, so, yeah. am I crazy to wonder, uh, Roman? Am I crazy to wonder if any of this could have been pre? I don't mean necessarily arranged with Chris Rock, but the the. The way this just happened to align with the acceptance speech right. that Will Smith gave, it seems right. awfully coincidental. Yeah. Did, did he know he was going to have a moment, or did he know? He, I mean, could they have known? It's possible, and, and why not? You know, because again, their ratings have have sucked so bad. I don't watch the Oscars anymore, but I tell you what, I commented that yesterday on Facebook. I go, if you can guarantee me a celebrity is going to get slapped every Oscars, I will watch. I, I'm there. Yeah, minimum one, there. minimum one per award show. Minimum one, ideally three. So, I mean, it could have been because they're probably so desperate to do something that, like, we need something outrageous that, again, next yeah. year people are going to watch and go, what could happen this time? You know, so nothing surprises me anymore. They're actors. Look at how Jesse Smollett acted after he got his sentence. They're actors. Mm-hmm. They're always acting. Mm-hmm. They're always acting. So, you know, and Chris Rock, as a comedian, would probably say, yeah, let's do it, because I just played a joke on the whole world. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows? 
I mean, that that would be uh, amazing. Well, I also you know, thought it was interesting that apparently there were pictures of them all partying after, you right. know, the after party. And I, I maybe that would be normal anyway, but I would think right. if I had just had to hit somebody, I probably wouldn't be in a party down mood. But I mean, you know, who knows? Roman Garcia, always great to have you on. We need to do this more often. You need to come back on more often, buddy. For sure. All right. Well, it was uh, it was great talking to you, Jack. Same here. We'll talk to you soon. Comedian Roman Garcia on our KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line. Are we being played by the slap? I want to break out the parenting piece of this for a minute because um, I, I, I have a lot of respect for Craig Melvin, who's the host of the Today Show. I, I don't agree with him politically, but I, I think he's very professional broadcaster. He seems like a very good person. He has a, a wonderful family and wife, and he speaks of them with great pride. I, any of us who are parents can can relate to that. His take on this, and by the way, he has um, not only children, but he his wife, who also works in television, is white. So he is raising mixed-race uh, children. And um, his take on this was that if you are raising a boy, you talk to him about controlling your emotions and keeping your hands to yourself. And then he said, there's this long-held perception in this country that men of color can't control their rage and their anger. And to see someone who's been that beloved for decades, it was troubling on so many levels. Some people were mad at Craig Melvin because they said you should be sticking up for what Will Smith did. Other people um, were angry at him, and I'm not angry at him, but they were making the point, hey, you almost got this right. It isn't just boys who are black or mixed race. We want all of our children to learn to respect other people. We want all of our kids to have manners and what we used to call couth. The idea that if you're around someone who's a bore, B-O-O-R, if you're around someone who's, you know, dragging their knuckles and doesn't have manners, that doesn't mean you get to forget yours. Now, it's one thing to teach your, your children to defend themselves. My dad was big on that. If you get into a fight, defend yourself. If you're attacked, defend yourself. I don't mean put your hands in your pocket while somebody's breaking all your teeth. But if you're around someone that is just being a jackass, don't become one yourself. And that's the thing Will Smith did that, you know, you can say we shouldn't make role models out of these people, and I'm with you. But the fact is we do, we have. The fact is that our kids look up to athletes and actors and other celebrities and influencers on social media, and, and that's, just, that's just happening. You, you can denounce it, but it's, it's happening. So Will Smith is setting an example, whether he should be or not. And I just wish Craig Melvin would have said from the pulpit that he has on the number one morning show, hey, this is not okay no matter what race you are. Uh, maybe he said it the way he did because he was thinking in particular of his children, but all of our kids need good examples. All of our kids need to learn these values, and these are good values for, for kids of all races. Would you agree? Disagree? 210 599 
55. I'm really not too persuaded by people that are trying to make this a race thing. Because, um, first of all, both the combatants are black, but also because whatever else Will Smith is, maybe you're a big fan of his, I I don't happen to be, but whatever else he is, he's a very successful, established person. He's not oppressed. uh, He's not uh, uh, disadvantaged. He's not being held down by the man. I mean, from what I understand, he's one of the highest compensated, most powerful people in his business. He's not only a star on screen, he is a an executive. He is a decision maker. He is uh, a mogul. I don't want to hear it, that this was the rage of generations and 200 years or 400 years of frustration. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I will accept if you're if you're down here with the rest of us and you want to say Jack as a as a black man I've had some experiences you've never had I agree with that I accept that I'm sorry for that But Will Smith's in a position to do better no better no This is one time when we don't need to see race as the determining factor of whether or not somebody is privileged or unprivileged the, the this is this is one time when that is an absurd argument to make. And then it is worth wondering, I'm not trying to be mischievous here, but it is worth wondering, what if there had been two different uh, people of two different skin colors or races involved here? What if the actor who took offense or was the subject of the joke had been white and had done this? What would the discussion in this country today be? Because it would be a very different one than the one we're having. What would be the, the consequences for that person? What would have been the immediate consequences? Now, tonight we don't know exactly what the Academy is going to do. My hunch is they're not going to do very much, but they claim they're investigating this. They claim that uh, there needs to be some sort of punishment for Will Smith. I have no idea what that would be. But I, I to me, this is not... The, the least interesting part of this is these two guys the most interesting part of this is the way i see and hear people reacting to it because it gives you an insight into how we see each other so i don't want to discourage i hope you'll call and i I encourage you to call i'm not trying to scare you out of calling but um when you hear people react to this a lot of times the the actual incident is just the jumping off point for some other grievance or thing that they have. In fact, a lot of I guess a lot of topics are like that, right? I mean, on one level, we may be talking about an incident, a person, a public figure, but then it really turns into, well, these are my values, or this is my life experience, or Jack, this is what happened to me growing up, and this is why I feel the way I do. And I um. I think for me, the biggest takeaway from this whole thing is either it was contrived and we're being played, or if it was the the genuine, spontaneous reaction of Will Smith to a comedian telling a joke, if this is really like what his instincts told him to do, then we have really coarsened 
society. We have really lost our our manners, our etiquette. If we don't know how to act in a very formal, <laughs> professional setting like this, uh, there we're probably in some trouble. That is not the way a grown man should act. KTSA News Time is 6.36. Jack Riccardi, this half hour, we'll have the results on the JR poll and your calls at 210-599-5555. Just now, uh, we're just getting this, um, actor Will Smith publicly apologizing to Chris Rock after slapping him during the Oscars last night. Quote, violence in all of its forms is poisonous and destructive. I was out of line and I was wrong. I am embarrassed, and my actions were not indicative of the man I want to be. There is no place for violence in a world of love and kindness. Um, he had apologized in his acceptance speech to the Academy and the, you know, the show. I thought it was weird at that moment that he did not also apologize to Chris Rock, but maybe he wasn't ready to, and maybe now he is. Apparently he is, or or has been told he needs to. Maybe maybe this apology is also part of whatever they're working out for his penance that he has to do. I um whatever you think of this, <laughs> it, it happened. And it might be worth asking sometime uh why it happened. It's easy to make it about these two guys and this joke, but if you think about the history of all the award shows, all the Friars Roasts, all the different live television shows, all the different comic uh, or comedian sets that have been done over the years, um, you think about insult comics, people like Don Rickles, who made entire careers, or Gilbert Gottfried more recently, start to finish wall-to-wall, all of their comedy is insult comedy, but no one is going up and belting them. I would submit to you, this shows how we, society, is changing. And I was not kidding when I said to Roman Garcia a few minutes ago, could this happen to you? Because I think it could. I think, I think we're tearing down fences, as the old saying goes, without knowing why they were put up. I think we're making normal the abnormal. Here's an interesting story. Um, we were talking a week or two ago about the uh, awareness week for LGBTQ that schools were doing. And um, this is a fourth-grade teacher in the Austin ISD who was complaining to her colleagues that a week was not long enough. And then she said 20 of her 32 fourth-graders have come out to her. 
And that's why she thinks we need more than a week for LGBTQ awareness. 20 of her 32 fourth graders have come out. What in the hell is going on? That is not statistically, that makes no sense. Statistically, credibly, conceivably, that's what you get when you are teaching and grooming kids, not simply creating a, a, a friendly, tolerant atmosphere. Hey, we just want you to know, just be comfortable, be who you are. 20 of 32 is kids signing up, is kids wanting to be in the clique. And why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to be part of the group that gets its own month or its own week? that gets its own flag up at the front next to the American flag, if there even is an American flag. And don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not hating on anybody, and I'm not. I, I, I'm not. And I think, I, I know we have gay and lesbian listeners to this show, I, I don't pretend to speak for them, but I know at least some of them would agree with me on this. It is right to make sure kids feel loved and safe. It is wrong teach, train, groom, influence how they're going to live their life. And I'm sorry, but that, if she's serious with that number, something has gone very wrong, not only in that classroom, but with this whole concept. And again, it shouldn't come as a surprise, because if you remember yourself at that age... There was something about not wanting to feel left out or maybe looking up to the cooler kids or the hip kids or the kids that had better sneakers or, you know, whatever it was. Like, I can remember all through elementary school, there was a set of kids that were just sort of the trendsetters, you know. And um, it, it, I mean, some people never get out of that habit. I mean, they're adults and they still do. But but it's very normal to do that when you're when you're young. You're moldable. You're impressionable, and you follow whatever the the trend is. You play the game they play. You do that thing with the collar of your shirt they do, or you you know. I remember there was it became a thing. This is very common now. But when I was in school, it became a thing at a certain age to write on your sneakers. Do you remember that? We would draw on our sneakers with pens and markers, and. Um, my mom about went nuclear the first time she saw that. I mean, like, what What were you thinking? And I, I couldn't get the words out. It was, everybody's doing it, you know, and they still work. I didn't ruin them, but, you know, it was so out of her realm of, you're writing on your clothes? But, you know, I, I did it because everyone was doing it. Well, that, that may be a silly example but why wouldn't, if you're having a whole week or a whole month and you're chatting up these topics and you're clearly indicating that there's a preferred way of being, you're celebrating a choice. You're not, you're not saying all choices are good. You're saying this is the one we're celebrating. Why wouldn't two out of three kids come out? It's kind of a wonder it isn't even more than that. 210-599-5555. Now, I don't mean to imply, I know and you know, that they're not all gay. 
This is a social phenomenon, not a sexual one. But is this really what we want? Is this really the goal? Are people that said, well, I guess I'm all right with it, or I don't, you know, okay, I guess it's all right to have the rainbow flag, or I guess it's all right to, or I don't want to know that kids feel unwelcome, or is this what, when we give public schools the privilege of our children, is this what we expect to have happen? And should we be surprised if it is? On the JR poll, powered by Stevens Roofing, are we being played by the slap? 83% say that's true. 17% say that's false. New JR poll tomorrow at 4. Uh, the question is always available at KTSA.com. Um, the sad news in the music world the drummer for the Foo Fighters, Taylor Hawkins. Uh, dying very suddenly. Uh, they have found that he had drugs in his system and may have overdosed on those. They were on tour in Colombia in South America when uh, when he died. And Phil Collins uh, is saying farewell to at least the live performance stage. He and his Genesis bandmates did their last show ever in London on Saturday night. Collins performing Sitting Down, which he's been doing for a number of years, but he says he's got so much uh, so many health issues and uh, neck and back pain and issues that he has to sit down. He can't play the drums. And uh, they will not be doing, Genesis at least, will not be performing uh, anymore after that show Saturday night. So we know that Phil Collins is still going to be very active, and he's obviously very involved with the Alamo, but the the I guess the exertion of live performances is something he's going to step away from. And today is the anniversary of the Three Mile Island nuclear power plant accident. You have to be over a certain age to remember that. On this day in 1979, there was a partial meltdown of one of the reactors at the Three Mile Island nuclear power plant in Pennsylvania. I remember being a kid and seeing the headline on the Boston Herald newspaper. It was the word radiation. (laughs) Talk Talk about a... overdramatic uh, headline. But in the in the initial hours and days, there was this belief, and I would bet if we asked people today, I'll bet a lot of people to this day believe that there was a massive leak of radiation, that there was a higher uh, incidence of cancer. That actually isn't true. Um, but it took months to, to realize that. The story of the Three Mile Island accident is really not even a story about nuclear power. It's a story about bureaucracy. Because what happened inside that plant was that people got so used to kind of mundane procedures and, you know, time to make the donuts, that they stopped paying attention to gauges and and equipment that was telling them, hey, there's something wrong here. This came out in the investigation. There was, there was really a breakdown of people being attentive to their duties, attentive to their jobs. And then the other thing that happened, this is worth remembering when people talk about nuclear power and using nuclear power today, and is it an option? The other thing that made Three Mile Island seem worse than it was was the politicians. Pennsylvania had a Republican governor and lieutenant governor, and they totally screwed up 
the messaging, they stepped all over themselves and were so inaccurate and flip-floppy that it scared people. They kept walking back things they had said. They kept contradicting things they'd said in the initial hours. And so when you think about nuclear power in this country and you consider should we be maybe moving toward it, Three Mile Island hangs over that. And for a lot of people, it's like a cautionary tale. Oh, we don't want to do that. Don't you remember what happened in Pennsylvania? But what happened in Pennsylvania is actually not an argument against using nuclear power. It is an argument about not getting cavalier or casual about it or bureaucratic about it. And again, as many of our problems turn out to be, it was a polit- it was a political failing, not a, a scientific one or a or an energy one. And yet, from that day on, the growth of nuclear power in this country was arrested and and killed. That was the casualty of Three Mile Island. And this is where we are today with politicians preaching about windmills and solar panels, which are not going to cut it, and totally avoiding, won't even consider a form of energy that is actually on the rise in many parts of the world, and rightly so. That's the legacy of what happened on this day in 1979, unfortunately. 210-599-5555. Uh, James is on 550 and 1071 KTSA with a thought on this slap story. Hi, James. Yeah, hi. Yeah, well, I'm just thinking a little bit of this. Uh, I don't think it was prearranged, for one thing, but I'm not sure of that. But this was, if somebody somebody makes a joke about me or kind of attacks me uh, in that way, uh, uh, I'll probably try to embarrass them. But if he attacks my mother, my wife, my kids, especially if i got to go home with one of them, Mm-hmm. I'm going to act differently. Would would you do what he did? No, I don't think I'd get violent, but I'd be very, very angry. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to go home with my wife. If she but would I you be angry, angry, or are you saying you'd have to act angry? Well, i definitely act, but I would be angry. But I, I'm just not... I wouldn't hit anybody unless they, I felt like they were going to hit me. But okay. but I'm just thinking he, he reacted the way he did a little more than he would have if he was, it was a joke about only him. I get you. I get you. All right. Fair enough. Thank you, James. I appreciate that. Let me get Mark in here. One more on this on KTSA. Hi, Mark. Yeah, hi. I have a little bit different take. I, I find it interesting that you got these two stories, one with the, the kids with, uh, 20 of them, quote-unquote, coming out, and then mm-hmm. uh, Will Smith. Mm-hmm. I think uh, both are the, the ends of the, the same thing, just different age in that. Uh, Will Smith is guilty of virtue signaling, which is really what peer pressure is all about, and mm-hmm. your reaction to peer pressure. And I think that's what Will Smith did, and he did it twice. Not only did he commit it when he went up there and slugged the guy, but he did it in his apology. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's, that's my take. Okay. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, no, I, I, that's a good point about virtue signaling, and we, we talk about that a lot on this show. I, I, I don't want to oh, make a crutch out of that phrase, but if you know me at all or if you've ever heard me before, I, I do think an awful lot of what public figures do is designed to project onto the screen what they need us to know about them. 
I, I don't think they have the confidence to act correctly and believe that, you know, in, if you do the right thing and you're doing your job or you're just doing the right thing by your moral compass, it will be clear or it will become clear. That's how we used to think. The new virtue signaling that Mark, I think, is talking about is where you have to be ostentatiously, um, you know, you have to you have to act out in a way that is almost cartoonish. So maybe in the past, I'd like to have a word with you, Chris Rock. That was uh, out of line. You owe my wife an apology. Come over here and apologize to her. The, the new sort of, well, I'm going to have this viral moment. Um, and some callers mentioned earlier, too. And again, I don't know the, 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 the marriage. Nobody knows a marriage, but the two people in it. It's very dangerous to think you know about other people's marriages. Believe me, I've experienced that firsthand. But you can, um, you, 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 people have speculated, and you can imagine it might be true, that if they are having a, a tense marriage, maybe he thought this was a moment to, you know, show everybody, hey, we're solid, we're strong. I went up there and fought for it, you know? Sad thing. We'll be back to talk about everything happening in our world and our lives and see you on the radio at 4 or anytime on demand at KTSA.com.